Welcome to another edition of Studio Q Radio. I've got the perfect podcast to throw back to. It was 2012 with Jennifer Lewis, an interview that you can see on YouTube that I did with her at her house. Uh, you really can't see me in the interview because I was sweating like a T.D. Jake sermon, okay? It was so freaking hot, and Jennifer was looking lovely, but uh, I was a sweaty mess, so I was not on camera, and you really can't hear me, so I thought it'd be great to upload this interview because it is really like one of my best interviews to date. You know, the best interviews are just great conversations, and that's what I had with Jennifer Lewis, and that's why it was so special. Sit back, relax, and, you know, get a... uh, notebook out because she is dropping some serious jewels okay she is giving up the wisdom in this interview not to mention a lot of laughs I just love her so much and I really appreciate her allowing us to come into her home I mean I kind of felt like you know uh Oprah next chapter by the pool outside Jennifer Lewis I mean come on It, it was a very special day and this is a very special interview so take a listen Studio Q Radio, y'all. Thanks for listening. This is Studio Q, and Jennifer Lewis is in the house. Hi, everybody. All right, now. Studio Q Show, now you know. You are listening to Studio Q. We are here with the fabulous Jennifer Lewis. I just have to say that. I've been, we've been quoting your line since we left the house to come here. <laughs> Everybody quotes my movies and my lines. It's so funny. I think it's because, you know, I ask because I speak with <laughs> distinction. You know, every consonant, every vowel. But, you know, I, of course, I don't hear. I want to start off with the wonderful web series that you're doing with DJ. Yes, the web series is called Jennifer Lewis and Shangela. Mm-hmm. DJ Pierce um, met me while I was performing in New York with Meryl Streep in Central Park, the New York Shakespeare Festival. We were doing a play called Mother, Mother Courage and Her Children, uh, Bertolt Brecht. And DJ found his way backstage after the show <laughs> and told me he was my biggest fan and started quoting me the way everybody does and imitating my voice. And he was moving out here, and uh, I had a college student living in my lower level. She was a summa cum double masters at Cal Arts. I try to help kids out. You know, if you got good grades and you need a little help, you know, I, I say, come on, you know. But she had moved out, and I needed an assistant, so mm-hmm. I said, DJ, come on, be my assistant. And then, lo and behold, he goes on the RuPaul Drag Race show. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked beautiful. And he becomes famous, and uh, all we do is clown around here. And people would see us clowning, and they said, why don't y'all do a show? Right. And I told him, I said, I won't do a reality show, but if it's scripted, mm-hmm. I can hang out. So I called Mark Alton Brown, D. La Duke, who wrote The Girlfriends, and uh, you know knew my voice on that show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also went to college with them, so they oh, know okay. my voice very well. Okay. And um, Deborah Dean Davis and Margaret Oberman, mm-hmm. of, who wrote for Saturday Night Live, and Deborah Dean wrote It Takes Two. Great writers. Wow. So. 
I said, if it's scripted, I'll do it. So what, what the web series is, it's, it's an exaggerated version of us clowning around this house. That's all it is. <laughs> and me accepting, you know, everybody being accepting of what people are, you know, when you're drag queen, transgender, gay, straight, you know, straight people are crazy. You know, <laughs> can we get real? But just friendship. Right. And accepting people for who they are and having fun. Well, what I love is that you said that you laugh at yourself so that others can laugh Absolutely. at them. Quit taking yourself so you seriously. Did, you did your, your research. That's exactly what it's about. You know, just too often we don't we're not aware of incorporating color in mm -hmm. our lives. And that color being fun. You see how bright these colors are? Right. You know, I'm bipolar mm -hmm. and uh, I was in dark darkness for a long time. Mm -hmm. So now that I've come into my own, having um, been in therapy and taking medication, I live a pretty good life. I'm level and I'm grateful they've got something out there mm -hmm. to help me and too often mental illness is taboo in our community. Right. And you know, I sat across from the great one herself, Miss Oprah. Oprah Winfrey. Sixty million and told people. sixty million people I am bipolar. And I am. Um, ain't no shame in my game, honey. I know who I am. Trust but how did you feel after that interview in the car ride to the airport? Because you were nervous before you went on. Yeah. You you did it. It was courageous. It was yeah. brave. It definitely helped black people feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they could they could identify with the disease. And but what did you feel after it was all over? Well, I was in the back of the car and I couldn't wait to call my shrink and tell her something that's always been so hard for me to say. I was really proud of myself. Mm. When I sat down and talked to Oprah, there was a chair that I grounded my arm on. I mean, come on, you're sitting across from Oprah, right. just you. Right. And you're speaking about something that, I said to myself that morning, I said, in the mirror, I said, Jenny, this is not about the diva meets the queen. Yeah. You've got something real important to do today. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the greatest moments of my life to be able to, you know, have the fame and fortune and give back. Mm -hmm. Because so many people were there for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you a story. When I used to sit in front of the TV when I was a kid, sucking my thumb, cross-eyed, you know. <laughs> they would show those commercials of those kids in Africa. They were so vivid in those days. They'd yeah. have the flies, flies on them and the big stomachs. And my whole thing was, if I can be famous, I can be rich. And if I can be rich, I'll give them some food. Mm. That was when it started. Mm -hmm. I wanted to feed those kids. I was just a kid, you know. Right. 
And I said, I'll give them some food. Mm-hmm. You know, we were Americans. We had food. I mean, I was poor. Yeah. And I knew what it was like not to have food. I was never starving mm-hmm. the way they were. So even at a young age, I, uh, I wanted to give back. And how has that moment impacted you today? Well, I found out that I couldn't save the world, but I, I could save myself. Mm-hmm. And if I could save myself, because you know all we have is our story. You can't do anything for anyone <laughs> if you're not healthy. Mm. Come on now. Yeah. So when I joined the Big Sister Big Brother program, yeah. um, it was me taking care of me. But of course, when I met that baby, Charmaine, Charmaine, um, my whole life changed. Her mother, uh, after being her big sister for five years, her mother became ill with multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. So I adopted Charmaine, and you know, before Charmaine, my life was money, men, and champagne. <laughs> right. You know, and then I saw her big brown eyes. Uh huh. Baby, talk about a responsibility. But I want to look in the camera and tell people, go and get a kid. You don't have to adopt them like I did. Just mentor them, you know. Take them to the movies. Take them to Disneyland. Let them go to the cleaners with you. Take them fishing. Bake with them. Go and get a kid and mentor them. Be there for somebody, you know. Yeah, well, you you know, my mother adopted my fourth baby brother and um, she said from the outside looking in it looked like she had did something for this Mm -hmm. sad little child yeah but he did it for her but tell me what did Charmaine do for you Charmaine did more for me than I did for her you know I gave up private school education I did everything I knew to do you know, because when I first got I used to call my agent and say, what do you feed these kids? <laughs> you know, from the grocery store, from the aisle. I said, where do you feed them? You know, she had an asthma attack. I said, well, go in there and some caviar in the refrigerator. That should fix your asthma. <laughs> Girl, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was like, whoo, come on, Jesus. But, um, what did it bring out of you? Well, it, it brought out the human side of me. I remember the first night she spent the night and you know, I was creeping around like June Cleaver. You know, I didn't know I'd be nobody's mom. And I dimmed the lights. I had read to her. You know, I can't even read. <laughs> I'd read her a book, you know. The 11th hour, she still remembers that night. Don't make me cry, girl. And when I lowered the lights, she said, hey, Jenny. Because my family calls me Jenny, you know. And she said, hey, Jenny. And I thought something was wrong. I said, what's wrong, baby? What happened? <laughs> And she looked at me with those big brown eyes. And she said, thank you. Mm. Child, I was cussing. I was cussing. I I, I left the room and I was walking to my bedroom and I just started cussing. (laughs) I looked up at God. I said, now you gonna tell me that this is what life is about? Oh yeah. You gonna make me feel these feelings? Uh Uh-huh. I was messed up because I'd never that moment Mm -hmm. when she looked at me I think it must have been the first moment I knew what 
humanity was mm. to love a child. You know, I love showbiz. I love my family. I love my friends, but a child? Mm. Ooh, girl, because you know, I wasn't looking for a husband and children. <laughs> I married my career and I had no regrets. <laughs> you know, my career gave right. me joy. Singing for people, performing for people, right. acting, acting a fool. Yeah. You know, it's what I did when I was a kid. I sang my first solo in church. Five years old. Five years old. And when I saw the reaction of the congregation, I said, oh, this is life. <laughs> I guess I'll be doing this. Yeah. Everybody was shouting and crying, acting a fool. I said, how's everybody? I start singing again. Good, you know. Five years old, acting a fool. Girl, you got me crying up here. But Charmaine. But is Charmaine, Charmaine will bring it out. Charmaine, yeah. Char my daughter. Ooh, honey, that. she will. Here, let me see this. Ooh, girl, <laughs> hold on. Ooh, ooh. It's a interview and shit over here. <laughs> well, what, what, what I love is the evolution of, of you being a mother with her because you said that, you know, she started acting out a little bit. Oh, yeah. And you said um, that you learned to let people be. Yeah. Live their own lives. I, um, she's back home right now and. You know, we want to control our children. <laughs> yes. You can't. Nobody. Even if she come through me, she's not mine. But let people do what they want to do. Uh, be quiet, Carla Renata. <laughs> Actress Qua uh, Carla Renata is here, sitting over there with her mama, acting a fool. And I'm trying to concentrate. That's Carla Renata. That's my girl. But, um, yeah, Charmaine really changed my whole, whew, my whole life. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for her. She's a good kid and just gorgeous as she could be. I wish she'd walk in here. She looked like Naomi Campbell. Oh, wow. Walking in a room like she Jennifer Lewis. I said, hey, hey, come here. You walk in a room like you Jennifer Lewis, you make sure you put a smile on your face. Well, switching gears to your career, this is a Jennifer Lewis quote that I ran across yesterday and I absolutely love. Had to put it on my Facebook. Mm -hmm. It goes like this. There are no shortcuts to greatness. The elevator success is broken. So you must take the stairs. And when you've been in 60 films, 250 television, you know, television appearances, how do these words still apply to you today? Well, I'll tell you. I gave up a few times in my life. But you didn't quit. But I never quit. Mm -hmm. You gotta be in it to win it. Right. You gotta get up out of that bed and you gotta let the day unfold as it will. Mm -hmm. And know that it is your God-given birthright. Whew, just gotta chill on that. It is your right to make your own choices. Mm -hmm. But here's the ticket. You better take responsibility for it. Every choice you make. Young journalist uh, was interviewing me and you know, I was clowning around and I just said off the cuff, I said, honey, I have touched bliss. And I went on and on talking, talking and she said, Miss Lewis, did I hear you say you have touched bliss? And I was like, oh, she was listening. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, I did. She said, could you share with me how you did that? <laughs> and honey, without pause or hesitation, I told her it was the day I looked in the mirror and took responsibility for every choice I had made, 
every choice I was going to make and the choice I am making at this moment. You've got to take responsibility. Too often we point the fingers. That's what's wrong with us. Mm -hmm. It's not Obama. It's not Romney. It's not this one. It's not that one. It ain't your pastor. It ain't your teacher. It's not your, uh, the, the pilot on the plane or the gardener or the pool man or the, the neighbor down the street or your sister or your brother or your mother. It's you. Mm -hmm. Look in the mirror and say, what was my part in that? Okay, I'm all upset, but what did I do? People who use a lot of you. Yeah, you did it, you did it. No, they didn't. You did it because you reacted to what they did. Right, right. You know, come on, get with the game. Well, I love what your grandma said that when it's hard as hit, you mustn't quit. My grandmother was in the garden and I just gotten out of school. I was in the sixth grade and she was pulling her collard greens up and she fell. And I ran down that hill to help her. Whoo, girl, you getting it out of me today. And she looked at me, she said, don't help me. And I was like, she said, if I can't get up by myself, then I don't need to get up. <laughs> Baby, don't think that didn't take me through life. All during those depression, bipolar years, when I wasn't medicated and I hadn't been to therapy, everybody was dying from AIDS and, oh, it's just so... I would remember what my grandmother said. Mm -hmm. I gotta get up. I gotta get up on my own. I, I gotta use both of my hands and pull myself up out of this bed, out of this mm -hmm. dark room. And I gotta get out there and honor my gifts. Because baby, I was giving something. Ooh, God said, boom. <laughs> I went, oh. <laughs> so I had to. I had to. I had to stop smoking so my voice would be better. Mm -hmm. I couldn't drink because, I mean, I stopped drinking. Yes. I almost, I almost died from the flu once. And that's what I stopped smoking and drinking 12 years ago on a dime. Mm. I told God, I said, you get me up off this sofa, I'll give it all up. Of course, I didn't give up sex. <laughs> How's everybody? All right, now. Here we go. Right. I said that to Oprah. I said, oh, no. Ooh, when I got on that medication. And this is the thing, y'all. I know I'm skipping around, but with bipolar disorder, you got to be, or any mental illness, or any disease for that matter, mm -hmm. you have to be patient for your levels. Okay. That's the most important part. You know, you'll get on some medication, you'll be like, oh, this is horrible, I got dry mouth, ooh, my sexual desire went away. Okay, so lessen that milligram. Right. But don't not take care of yourself. I'm not pushing any um, um, given or specific mm -hmm. drug. You know, I think we got too much of that out in the world anyway. You right. know, help yourself. But if you really need it, it's mm -hmm. like high blood pressure. It's like, you know, cancer. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. But people don't even talk. So what part of the therapy plays in, in you keeping things oh, honey, sane? You better go and talk to somebody yeah. if you need to. And you better tell the truth. That's, some, that's hard work. Oh, honey. Yeah, that's a good point, because you can go and talk, but oh, you, if you no, don't tell the you truth. You've got to tell the truth. You've got to feel those feelings. And if you don't have anybody to talk to, write. 
Get a journal and write, write, write your feelings down. Have your feelings so you don't go out and take it out on somebody else. Do the work. When you get up in the morning, write. Mm -hmm. Write. What am I going to do today? How do I feel about the people I have to see today? Mm -hmm. You know, what can I manifest for myself? What do I want? Do I want to eat healthy today? Am I, am I going to take care of myself and I get up and take a shower, get out there in the world, help somebody else? If you bored, something's wrong with you. Yeah. Go help somebody. Do something. So that definitely helps you love yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, when you've done something for somebody, hello. <laughs> when you've done something for somebody, that makes you just feel great. Mm -hmm. Especially a kid. Mm -hmm. Especially a kid. So how has the bipolar growing up, you know, the youngest of seven, being blessed with such a great talent. How has that been exhibited in all of your one-woman shows? And how has, how have you grown as an artist doing them? Whew. Well, I grow every day. And to be just a little bit more dramatic, I grow every hour. I, heard that. I don't waste life anymore. I'm 55, honey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I figure I got, what, 40 more years? Mm -hmm. I'm going to use them. I know how important it is to do what makes you feel good. My daughter walks out of here and she says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I said, go ahead, go see how that feels. Mm -hmm. See, feelings is the universal language. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes to your door and, and they're speaking another language and their kid is under a truck down the street, you ain't got to know their language. Mm -hmm. You know something's wrong. Yeah. So it's how somebody feels that says who they are in that moment, mm -hmm. you know. And if you got a lot of trouble, I'm going to share a little trick with you. It's not a trick, it's just something I do. Okay, here's the example. Um, I cycle. I ride my bike. Mm -hmm. It's not stationary, but out in the world. Oh, okay. And I was upset with my daughter one day. Now I'm just a huffing and puffing on my bike. I said to myself, now Jen, because see, I live in California. Might want to watch yourself. Mm -hmm. What if an earthquake hits right at this moment? A 9.2 hit this baby. Mm -hmm. You're going to go down huffing and puffing. After all that work you did, after all of that, you go out of here huffing and puffing. In that moment, you can change to a better thought. Mm -hmm. I love my daughter. Mm -hmm. She's living her life. She's healthy. Find the better thoughts. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know you're going to be mad at your kid and, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I told Tupac. Forever. Yeah. You better get it together, honey, because life is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Do the work, write down your feelings, and tell somebody you're sorry. Mm -hmm. it's just, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Two words. Yeah. But if you keep saying them, then it won't mean nothing. Well, I'm sitting here talking with the black mother of Hollywood. Are you 
full of advice. I love it. Just depositing well, into lived, it. I've lived, yes. a, a, I've lived a full life. You know, I've, right. I, yes, I have. I've done 60 films. I've done 259. Well, I just got a, another film. So 61. Mm-hmm. Knocking on wood. Very grateful. Um, Four Broadway shows. I've, I've, you know, performed on, I think, you know, five continents. I, right. I've lived. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna tell you how many men I've been with. <laughs> a lot of men. My sisters are healthy. I lost a brother, I believe, three years ago, maybe two. I miss him. Yeah. You know, so all I'm saying to everybody is live. Vote. Know that you are important, that you're part of this symphony called life. And if you weren't here, you would have been missed. And we owe, by the way, who, as Americans, we owe. So do your best and leave the rest. I love that. What would a 55-year-old Jennifer Lewis tell a 13-year-old Jennifer Lewis. Oh my. I know exactly what I would say to my 13-year-old self. And this is exactly how I'd say it to her. Go on, baby. Because everything is going to be alright. That's what I'd say to her. Cause that gone, baby. You know that's what your aunts and and your 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 peers say when you sing a song. Gone, Jenny. Right. It, it, when when I hear that, sing, baby. Gone, Jenny. Whew. Yes. Cause you said that you pulled from three aunts. Let's see, Gloria, Shirley, Rosetta, and your own mother. Absolutely, for, for Zelma Bullock, Bullock. And what's love got to do with it? Do you think they saw themselves in you? Oh, of course they saw <laughs> themselves in me. I look so much like my mother, honey. Oh my God, my mother went, and I was born. <laughs> I look just like my mama. And um, by the way, y'all look like too. Carla Renata and her mother. Yeah. I, I pull, you can only pull from your life mm-hmm. uh, when you create a character. Mm-hmm. And those are St. Louis women. You know, <laughs> Shirley, Gloria, Margaret, Janice, Mary. Yeah, my mother's the oldest of 16. Wow. Yeah. You know, some of them have gone on home, but. So a seven lot of, was nothing. Yeah, being a baby of seven. I have this song called Grandma Small, and one of the lyrics is. My mama's the oldest of 16 kids and I'm the baby of seven. Cat Johnny drove a big gray Cadillac and everybody thought that he was in heaven. But my grandma small, she took care of me. My grandma small made cabbage for me. My grandma small took me in, even when I didn't laugh. I sang that at her funeral. You were able to. Absolutely. Loved my grandma. Mm. Love my family. Is this your grandmother on your mother's side or your father's? This is my mama's mama. Okay. Yeah. Burning small. Gave birth to 16 kids. Well, no (laughs) (laughs) C-section. Yes, sir. So they would be so proud of you. Oh, they are. 
Every time I go home, honey, it's a marching band at the airport. I'm telling you. <laughs> they love them some Jennifer Lewis back there. And I, I want to look in the camera today and just thank everybody back home. You know, they all knew though. I, I used to put on my choir robe at church and go, I'm going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they were sick of me. It was like, God, please let her be a star so she can get the hell out of here. I knew that I had those gifts. I knew that when I walked in a room and sang a song, everybody stopped. I knew when I opened my mouth as little Jenny Lewis, somebody was listening. And then I started doing talent shows in the Catholic school basement, right. charging 35 cents to get in. <laughs> and you know, my, my little cousin was my pips and I was glad it's night. <laughs> they used to complain I didn't give them none of the money. You know, 35 cents to get in. I said, hell no, y'all don't get no money. Y'all pips. <laughs> And honey, they would sell out. Right. Ken Locke would come out to my talent shows. And then from that, you know, singing in the church choir, I became president of my class. Yeah, I, was, I had leadership ability with this booming voice and this passion for life. I don't say that I was an intellect, but I was smart. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say I wasn't an intellect is because I didn't pay attention in class. <laughs> I was like up there singing a song. They said, we need a report from Jennifer. I'd go, you'll be slow. You'll be great. Yeah. I'd be like, what the hell? I was singing at the Merman and Kenlock. They'd be like, this is an odd person. So I had that leadership ability. I was captain of the cheerleading squad and, and president of my class for seven years. I won by one vote senior year. Girl, I cussed them out so bad. I said, what the hell y'all voting for? Who was you against? Yeah, you my cousin, <laughs> Richard, Richard Parks, and I won by one vote. I'd have killed them if I hadn't won. Of course, I'd have killed him too. <laughs> but um, it's been quite the journey. And then when I got to Webster University, you know, I just knew. You gotta know. If you right. find your passion, you gotta know you're gonna get it. Right. Because that's what your soul speaks to every day. Mm -hmm. I want this. But what's different about you is when you set foot on a Hollywood set, they know that Jennifer Lewis is going to deliver. I do. How did you grow into that reputation? And was it always so? Because I loved it. I, I love what I do, and when you love what you do, you're going to be on time. Mm -hmm. You're going to be professional. You're going to say what you feel. You're going to speak the truth. Um, I didn't have the respect. No, I've always had respect. Don't let me start lying. Please don't. I had the respect because, you know, I'm trying to be humble, but do, yeah. it's, been, it's been a journey. But, you know, when I was manic, you know, I got on people's nerves. But I got away with it because I was so cute. I was as cute as I could be. Still is. And I, but I had, and I had talent. Mm -hmm. But there were times when people didn't want to work with me because I was too much. But I always saved the day because then I'd sing them a song. I'd sing you a song and rock you to sleep, baby. Because no matter how manic I was, there was no malice in me. I, I was never a bitch or nasty or you won't you won't find that many stories like that about me a couple but you know you won't 
I didn't lie. I told the truth. Right. Not my truth, you know. I took it day by day. I pounded the pavement in New York City. I went to school. I educated myself. I toured the country and then the world. I worked with Bette Midler. She taught me so much. Meryl Streep. I worked with Denzel and Sharon Stone and Tom Hanks. Clint these Eastwood. people, Clint Eastwood, Matt Damon. I've worked with all these great artists. And I, I learned and I listened. Mm -hmm. When I first got to New York, I got my first Broadway show within two weeks of arriving. It's unheard of. But I got it because there was no fear in me then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I called my mother when I first got to New York and, I, and you know, I'd never even seen buildings that tall. I mean, Come from on. Kenlock to, to New York City. <laughs> and I called my mother and I was like, everybody wants to be a, a star. And, and I, I think, it's too big. Oh, mama. Honey, I want to come home. Honey, two weeks later, I was like, pack up, baby. Ah, your girl's on Broadway. Ah, you know. <laughs> so, but that was part of doing the work. When I was in college, you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to be a star. If, if my college friends were here, uh, uh, who were in my class, they'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> and they with that look. We were good and sick of her. Yeah. But that's who I was, mm -hmm. that's what I was, and this kind of interaction is means so much to me because I'm able to tell my story. You know, I with the Scorpion show just now, I, I told them about molestation. Oh. You know, one out of three. You endured one out of three. You endured? Oh absolutely. Oh, wow. Oh, most certainly I was molested, and I'll tell the world. Wow. Eve Ensler, who, who wrote The Vagina Monologues. Okay. We were all in a big theater. And you know, The Vagina Monologues is about domestic abuse, you know, the, the horrors in Africa, what they do to women. I'm not going to go into it, but she said, I want everybody in this audience who was molested to stand up. Because everybody got so much shame. Yeah. But a few people stood up. She said, now I want everybody who knows somebody who was molested to stand up. Mm -hmm. Lots of people stood up. And then she said, now I want everybody who molested somebody to stand up. Good God. I she said, we should not have to spend our entire lives recovering. So I say to all of you out there, tell somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody, and do the work to get yourself back on track. How did you do the work? To well, I dealt with the molestation in therapy, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You get that out, Oof. but you go on. Right. You go on. We as human beings, we are a powerful lot. We are rich with wisdom. Mm -hmm. You just gotta tap into it. Mm -hmm. You have to say yes to life. I'm not gonna let the fact that I was molested when I was two stop me from getting up today. Because if you're still here, you did something. Mm -hmm. And I say to you, keep doing it. Yes. But tell somebody. Yes. We, we are as sick as our secrets. 
You don't take nothing from this interview, you take that. We are as sick as our secrets. Mm. Put it on the table, baby. Yes. Put it on the table and so you can breathe. Mm -hmm. So you can exhale. Yeah. So you can get out of that bed. Yes. Now how I'm gonna have all this success and not try to tell the truth and help somebody. I don't know, but there's a lot of other people who don't, so we appreciate that you well, do. I, I, it is my pleasure. Yes. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing else I can do at this point but give back and continue to be creative, mm -hmm. continue to give as much as I can. You know, my shit stinks. Mm -hmm. You know, well, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Being a diva and all. You know. But life is wonderful. Find your way. Find your passion. Mm -hmm. And and do your best. Yeah. You know. Well, I want to know. We we are Jennifer Lewis fans. <laughs> I mean, we love you. Nah. And we are also Whitney Houston fans. Yeah. And um, you got the distinct pleasure. You you said that. Her voice was like the eighth wonder of the world yes. when you sit and got to listen to her record yeah. on the on the preacher's wife. Can you tell us some stories during those three months that you? Well, I'm going to tell you. Um, at one point, I did say to Whitney on the preacher's wife, the preacher's wife set, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it looked like. I've never really done drugs in my life. All right, it was at one time in Chicago, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was in Chicago, eh? I don't remember. But <laughs> I knew something was wrong. And I did talk to her. And then I flew down to Atlanta. And I went out to talk to her. I didn't get to because of circumstances. I loved her. I was a mama for three months. I scolded her once. She didn't show up on set because you know it was a record-breaking blizzards uh, that that uh, couple of months we were filming. I said, uh, "Where you at?" She said, "Oh, mama, I couldn't get out of my I couldn't even get out of the garage because it was a lot of snow." I said, "Well, you call in next time because they teased my hair up for one scene." Now I gotta wash my hair, it was about 18 below zero. I gotta wash my hair and do another style, so we have to uh, do another scene. She said, all right, mama, all right, mama. <laughs> I'll call mama. Do you have a story where you guys had just bunches of fun? Do you have a moment? Oh, honey, we clowned on that set. She did something one time, I said, cut. I said, what you doing? <laughs> she loved me so and respected me so she didn't cuss me out, but I, I kind of sensed she was getting ready to cuss me out, so I left her alone. I know. Don't play with, don't play with, uh, Whitney, you know. <laughs> but she was my girl. I'm telling you, I uh, I just loved and adored her. I was glad that I reached out to her. I'm glad that I wasn't afraid to reach out to her. And I miss her. Sometimes I can't believe that she's gone. Mm -hmm. That her and Michael went so early. Mm -hmm. It's like a fog, mm -hmm. you know. I had I was on a plane when I found out. Yeah, you said grief couldn't yeah. feel that plane. I, it, my grief was much too big for the plane. Mm -hmm. It just was. I uh, and then I had to wait until we landed to find out what had happened. So that was uh, my girlfriend cussed that stewardess out though, honey. She said you don't get to tell somebody something like that on takeoff. You don't know. Mm -hmm. 
and she tore her up, honey. They cleared a whole section for me in the back of the plane. Because I just, um, anyway, we all loved her, and we miss her, and, um, I just, I just, you know, want to celebrate her because I know oh, that. Oh, you have to celebrate, honey. I listen to her sing all the time. <laughs> I listen to her sing all the time, and you know, we so I we didn't want to go sad. I we, wanted to no, hear about the clown. clown well, let me tell you, we clown something terrible. We clown something terrible. She always said, she said, she said, you just who you are. Yeah. You just you. That's what she always said. <laughs> and then she did a Norris hair salon with me. Also. That's right. And uh, we clowned on that set. She was. Whitney was. She was also filled. She had a gift. Mm -hmm. That you know that kind of fame is dangerous. Yeah. I don't care what nobody say. I'm I'm a B player, and my fame can be you know. But I just I cuss people out. And they leave me alone. <laughs> but you know, um, that fame is is huge. Yeah. That, that that's that's something that you got to you honey. You got to know who you are. Right. Because, you know, if you don't know who you are, you in the back of a limousine, it don't mean nothing. You might as well be in the back of a Honda or a Pacer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all remember the Pacer. We do. Ooh, that was a crazy looking car. <laughs> but the thing is to take care of yourself the best you can. Mm -hmm. And then you can enjoy whatever it is that you want to do with yourself. I want to travel now. And I'm starting to have a little arthritis in this knee, honey. I take care of this knee now. Mm -hmm. I want to get, if I go to... Uh, Japan, I want to climb up a Mount Fuji song. Right. If I go to Peru, I want to go up to uh, Machu Picchu. Yeah. I don't want to sit there and go, because I'm too fat or too ignorant. <laughs> I want to be able to enjoy the world. Mm -hmm. You know? I get to travel now. I've worked my booty off. Yeah. And we can tell, because if we turn on the TV, 15 movies, I know. <laughs> you're in them. It's wonderful. I... I, I all I can really tell y'all is it's been fun mm -hmm. because I loved it. It was really hard work. Mm -hmm. But because I loved it, mm. <laughs> it didn't seem like work. Yeah. The back, the, not on stage, on stage, honey, I don't even know. <laughs> that ain't nothing but ultra perfect. <laughs> Get on a stage. Somebody call action. <laughs> on. Somebody call places. Action. I hear my name. I'm like, bring it. Bring it. Yeah. And you deliver. But I love what I do. Mm -hmm. And that's why I deliver. So now I just want to do before we close is a Studio Q lightning round. Yeah. Jennifer Lewis style. I'm going to give you a either or, or. Let's go. Okay. Tina Turner's mama or Whitney's mama? Wow. They were both, the, I'm sorry, I can't give you that because they were the same. I had so much fun doing one. Flow from Cars or Mama Odie? Mama Odie. Okay. Because she was a human being. Dean Davenport from Different World or Aunt Helen on the Fresh Prince? Oh, that's a hard one too. Oh man. Dean Dorothy Davenport from Different World or who? Aunt Helen from Fresh Prince. Aunt Helen. <laughs> okay, okay, we having a we having a magic moment and we get to go back in time. Who do you do a scene with? Do you do a scene with Dorothy Dandridge or do you do one with Hattie McDaniel? Hattie. Okay. Hattie McDaniel. Okay. Betty Davis or Joan Crawford? Oh Betty Davis. Okay. 
president of your high school cheerleading team or class president? Both. I was both. Which one was better? Uh, being captain. Robert De Niro or Tom Hanks? Well, I worked with Tom Hanks, so I want to work with Bobby. Okay. Reading Shakespeare with Meryl Streep or singing back up as a harlot for Bette Midler? Wow, Meryl Streep, Bette Midler. I say Bette Midler because I had so much fun. But being on stage with Meryl Streep was, whew, what an experience. You know, I got a little story, Meryl Streep. Mm -hmm. George C. Wolfe directed. And uh, the first day of rehearsal, Meryl Streep was sitting there like this with the script. She was like, she was turning the pages so fast. And I was turning the page like this. <laughs> and I looked over, she was turning those pages so fast. I was like, what does she have, a photographic memory? Why is she turning those pages so fast? So I got scared. I was like, oh man, I, I can't hang with her. Right. So I went to George C. Wolf and mm -hmm. I was like, uh, I don't think I can do it. I'm sorry, George. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. He said, great director. Great director, George C. Wolf. He said, Jennifer, will you just dive in and show me your strokes? And if you need help across, I'll. Oh, and so I said, well, can I, can I sing first, please? And he said, okay, sing. So Meryl Streep was down there because, you know, the role caused for her to get really dirty, you know, Mother Courage. You know, she was on the floor. She had a script. So I, w I started singing, and I was behind her. And I was like, they hated the story. And Meryl Streep went. <laughs> She almost said, what the fuck? <laughs> so when I saw her <laughs> react to my singing voice, that was it. I wasn't scared of her no more. Uh, I really had to say, you know, the same God that made her made yeah. me. Working with her was, it just, it was outrageous. Oh, wow. I was a kid when I was with Beck. And okay. it was physical and it was wonderful and I was mm -hmm. on stage. But let's face it, I was in the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. You know, she came to see me in New York when did I did really? uh, 54 Below. Oh, by the way, I want everybody to go to New York Times. NewYorkTimes.com and look at that review. That love letter they wrote about me when I did my show in July. It was just incredible. Oh. The, the press was, the New York press was so incredible I'm mm. telling you it, it was I came away and the only word I can have in my I had in my mind was triumph Wow and I worked my ass off too I know you did I did that's all you I was so do. happy to be back in New York oh my goodness you just felt alive huh yeah yes I did oh my goodness well okay motor mouth Mabel and hairspray or Dolly and hello Dolly oh Dolly honey I mean <laughs> my baby my two best friends of um, so Scott Whitman and Mark Shaman wrote Hairspray for me, and I had a great time on Broadway. But honey, Dolly Levi was the star! <laughs> Wave your little hands and whisper, so long, dearie, you ain't gonna see me anymore. Oh, I love those songs. <laughs> hello, Harry. Well, hello. And before the parade passes by, 
I've got to go and taste Saturday's high life before the parade. Okay, that's enough. Y'all gotta pay me for the rest of it. Right, right, But right. no, honey, I love doing Dolly Levi. Oh! Jackie's back or the diva is dismissed? Jackie's back. <laughs> now, are you Jackie? I am Jackie. <laughs> Jackie Washington. On Tondra! <laughs> me the wet ones, honey. Oh, honey, I don't think there's a person in the world who doesn't say, uh, make it a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Alton Brown and Dela Duke wrote that movie also, who wrote the web series. Mm -hmm. But, um... That, that was like one of my you know, favorite all time. How'd you get all those people? Jackie's back. We didn't know it was going to be as big as it was. They have cult parties all over the United States. People come dressed up as Entendre and dressed up as Jackie Washington. Now, here's how I got all those celebrities. My here's God. the story, and I think you're the first to hear it. Hot off the press. What I became in New York when I was performing on Broadway and performing in clubs, I became the entertainers entertainer gotcha. see gotcha. they'd all show up to see me a lot of them studied me and stole a couple <laughs> of things but you know honey once somebody takes something you've been doing you've gone on to something new anyway <laughs> make no mistake right. now and, and remember that can't nobody steal nothing from you no way because if you owned it it's always yours it's all ah, -na -na. <laughs> so what the fuck am I talking about? You're talking about Jackie's back. How oh, you got all the celebrities? Jackie's back. How did I get all the celebrities? Mm -hmm. I was the entertainer's entertainer and everybody, Whoopi, Rosie, Bette. Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall. Oh, man, everybody was in it. Dolly Parton. Everybody wanted to be the first one to make me a star. People, look, I say this with great humility. People love me. Yeah. And they want me to have a space for the talent that I have. Yeah. You know, and they all showed up. Loretta Devine, mm -hmm. Joe Beth Williams, even Marie Saint from North by Northwest. Come on now, y'all. <laughs> Grace Slick, um, uh, Taylor Dane, Chris Rock, Kathy Griffin, they all came out for Jackie's Back. Was that improv or was that all written? Oh, it was written. Okay. But a, a lot of it was improv. You know I showed up. <laughs> right. I remember when I came out the house drunk, having stabbed Milkman with the um, right. Afro pick. <laughs> I grabbed that drink. I was like, yeah, get out of my house. And I, 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 I grabbed that drink at the last minute and just put that wig and turned it around. You know, when you're creating like that, especially if it's, an, if it's a comedy. Yeah, you with did the same me, thing with Tyler Perry, right? Absolutely. With me, everything goes. I went up to Tyler. I said, Tyler, just let me fall in the grave. Right. Please let me just fall in the grave. He said, y'all dig a hole for Jennifer. I'm <laughs> right. not going to argue with her. Right. Just dig the hole let her fall. <laughs> yeah, Tyler loved him some Jennifer Lewis, and I love him. I well, love me some Tyler Perry. And I'm glad because we get to see, you know, that love manifested on the screen. Absolutely. So that's what I Absolutely. love. San Francisco or New York City? Wow. Well, I'm sorry. I love New York and I love San Francisco, but I've got a new city that's my favorite city. Which is? Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Yeah. A wonderful town. Yeah. 
Oh, but no, listen. I did the Playboy Club okay. in Chicago. Last year, Playboy Club. <coughs> Can I get some water? Anybody got, please? Anybody got time for that? I'm getting a little dry, honey. You know what I'm saying? Oh, here's my water. I got some, baby. <laughs> um. Okay. What is the question? Oh. Talk so uh, much shit. Oh, you good. You good. Uh, Carnegie Hall or Powell Symphony Hall in St. Louis? Oh. Powell Symphony Hall in St. Louis. Okay. okay. Carnegie Hall, I missed a note. And to this day, I'm like, I must have gone into shock. I hit such a bad note at Carnegie Hall that everything just went in slow. <laughs> I was singing Cole Porter's I Got Lost in His Arms. And there's a thing where you come back in after the piano solo. I went, there you go. There you go. How I felt. And I and this is what I did. I went, there you go. I went, what the fuck? And I just couldn't believe it happened. Right. But that's the thing about stage. Yeah. Once it happened, honey, you can't take it back. Ain't no cut, edit. Right. Okay, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but when I played Powell Symphony Hall in St. Louis. You know, other than my family and my baby, my child, and my fiance, Niagara Falls. Seeing Niagara Falls was a great moment for me in my life because as I stood there, I knew there was something mightier than man. Because mm -hmm. I knew man had nothing to do with that. Amen. So powerful. But when I went to Powell Symphony Hall, mm -hmm. it was my idea. Oh my goodness. My family was there, my college friends, my teachers, the ones that are still alive, my high school friends. The place was full and sold out. It was a 90-piece orchestra and an 80-voice choir. Yeah. Girl, I was in I had a lyric that said, and so thank you to First Baptist, Kinlock High and Webster College. You gave me so much to live for, the mighty Mississippi on summer nights and fall days. The atmosphere is thrilling here as always. It was, and when I said their names, it came back, the applause, like a lion's roar. Mm. It's something I'll never forget. I talked about the Gateway Arch and the zoo and <laughs> the mighty Mississippi River. I was home. Yeah. It was, it was, and to have that, a 90-piece orchestra, mm -hmm. <laughs> was a dream come true. Well, thank you so much. We have just taken so much of your time. So we just need a drop, and then we will get out of your what kind wonderful of damn drop. Why not just <laughs> drop in the damn pool? <laughs> this is Studio Q, and Jennifer Lewis is in the house. How's everybody? All right now. Listening to Studio Q.